I'm going to talk about the radical middle of parenting. Well, if you're not a parent, I think that you should listen up. Maybe you're a young person or a young adult single that's not married yet. You should listen up because definitely toward parenting, but it's not just about parenting. It's honestly how we're to treat one another in the area of from the uh, eating from the tree of life and uh, in the area of a radical middle. I'm going to talk to you about a radical middle in just a few minutes, but I had a couple of uh, little, like, here's a church sign in the area. I think about this could be used in the area of family, and the church sign went like this, give Satan an inch, and he will become a ruler. Jim, Jim Gaffigan, uh, you want to know what it's like having a fourth kid, imagine yourself drowning and someone hands you a baby. Here's another comedian. I just thought this was really cool when it comes to parenting. Everyone should have kids. They are the greatest joy in the world, but they are also terrorists. You realize this as soon as you have a baby, they're born, and they start using sleep deprivation to break you. Logan knows about that. A mother asked her five-year-old, said, hey, you know, going to bed, spit out your gum. The five-year-old's like, I don't have gum. What are you chewing? Uh, my toenails. <sighs> Father, just speak to us today. Touch every life here. God, add to every parent here grandparent, those who will be parents, those who give their parents massive trouble. God, speak to all of us. Help us, Father, in the area of family, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. this is my buddy Robert Barnes. He's going to be helping me today read scriptures. Would you put your hands together for Brother Robert? <laughs> radical middle. When I say radical middle, it's not about being lukewarm. It's not like revelations, hey, hot or cold, lukewarm. Gonna... It's not about that. It's about living a life of radical middle. And it's, it's this. You have one extreme here. You have another extreme here. But there's a radical middle that we can live in that is absolutely radical. Radical means to the root. And so uh, I think there's a way of living our life when it comes to Christianity, a radical middle, and also in the area of parenting. I hope that you catch more of that as we dive into parenting, the radical middle of parenting today. Robert's going to begin us with Genesis. Reading from Genesis 2, verse 7 through 9. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. I think it's always important to read about creation so that you get all the crazy wacko stuff out. Somehow you came from an ape. Uh, it's important for us to always realize where we came from. God created you. He put his breath inside of you, and we're here made in the image of God. Amen. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let me share a couple of thoughts on that. God planted a garden. Guess who he put in the garden? He put man in garden to tend the garden. 
This is before the fall. Why do you say that, J.O.? Because I think it's vital for parents to raise their kids with a work ethic, to raise them to work hard at whatever they may do. Train them. Whatever you do, train them up in it. I remember painting, and there was my little baby girl, late at night, painting right along with Dad. I remember cutting up elk meat. Did that offend you? Get over it. And she would be, she would be, she'd be double wrapping till one in the morning, training my kids with a work ethic. Listen, the, the, the work was not part of the curse. God created a garden, put his son in it to, to, to take care of the garden, and it was actually before sin. It was before the curse happened in the world. So working hard is a good thing. Say that with me. Working hard is good. It's good. If you don't work hard now, then you should change that. It's called repentance. Let me share this. Go ahead and read the scripture in the area of training. Reading from Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Should. Let me interrupt that for a minute. Everyone say should. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. It says should. It doesn't say train up in a child in a way that he will go. Because I find that parenting is very, very risky. You do your very, very best, and you don't know exactly what's going to happen. Right? So we train them in the way that they should go. We hope they go. But... They do have a will, and that's why it says, it doesn't say train up in the way that they will go because they do have a will. We're going to talk a, a little bit more about that. We do our best to train up our kids. And, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. The word train up there is a Hebrew word, hanak, and it means, it means actually what you think. It, it means narrow. It means uh, initiate, discipline. It means to train up. It means to dedicate. All those, in, inaugurate to train. All these different thoughts about training up your child, that's the way that we should live. Uh, if you think that parenting is you just you know, kicking out a couple babies and pray over them and hope they turn out, I got news for you. That's not, that's not how parenting is. Parenting takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of time. The Bible says faith without works is dead. I got news for you in the area of parenting. That's a really good scripture because faith without works when it comes to parenting is dead. And you have to train, kind of like training up one of those little puppies, you know, peeing all over the house and so forth and so on. You got to train up your child in the way that they should go. And you have to, as a parent, be dedicated to that, dedicated to pour into your kids, men. Do I have any men out there? I got a few men. Men, you have to, as a daddy, put on your big old man Duluth underwear and choose to be a man, choose to lead your family, and choose to train up your kids. And it's no stinking joke. If you're a young person, you're not married yet, this is a great place to get some uh, just to get a couple tools in your belt this week because I think people need to learn before they, get a, before they have babies on how to raise babies. Right. Are you following me? Everyone say train up. train up. We should train up. We should be dedicated in raising discipline and training our kids. Robert? Genesis 2, verse 21 and 22. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. Is that why I like ribs? 
How many of you like ribs? Pork ribs, man. Barbecue sauce. We got some right now in the refrigerator for Monday night. Maybe there's a reason why I like ribs. Sorry, Rob, Robert. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. I want you to look at something. Adam and Eve were the first two kids from a perfect parent. Perfect parent, perfect kids before the fall. They had not sinned. Perfect parent, perfect kids. Then they were given this thing called a free will. So you have perfect kids by a perfect parent who has perfect parenting skills, and yet the kids jacked it all up. Why do you say that, J.O.? Because you may feel like a failure as a parent. I want to cheer you up today because there's a lot of risk involved in raising up our kids and training them in the way that they should go. And because of what God did for us, giving us a free will, it is very, very risky. And you find this with God himself. It wasn't God's fault. He gave them a free will, and they chose to do what they did. And I tell you what, it was very, very challenging. And on top of that, absolute perfect parent, absolute perfect kids, they're introduced to a lie, lie plus free will. All of a sudden, they sin, and all hell break loose. And it was like their life was thrown into a blender and just hit on high. I say that because parenting is not easy, and it's definitely not for wimps. I know great parents, great parents, who have kids that's totally rebelled. I have, I, I know great parents who kids are working on a testimony right now. They've chosen an alternative lifestyle. They, they've walked away from Jesus. They've walked away from church. They've walked away from everything that they were raised up to be. And, and man, I'm telling you, they had some awesome, great parents. But they still have this thing called a will, a free will. I know a set of parents whose son actually killed his brother. And you do too, Cain and Abel. It's probably happened a whole lot more since then. One of my favorite guys in the Bible, other than Jesus, his name is David. And David, I, I just love David. He was a man after God's own heart. My first, my, 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 my favorite book in the Bible is Psalms. But look at David. Look at his family. Look at his kids. Look, look at, his, look at his, his legacy. David has a son named Amnon. Amnon wants to hook up with his sister. He plays sick, rapes his half-sister Tamar. Absalom hears about it. Uh, that's Tamar's brother, all right? We got, a, we got it going on in the family. Absalom sends two servants to take Amnon out. And all of a sudden, now we got rape and, 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 and murder. And now uh, 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 Absalom is kind of kicked out of the kingdom. And now he wants to take over the kingship from his dad. And now he plans to kill his dad. This is all within one family. Family happens. Parenting happens. 
And before all that took place with Absalom, David, man, he hooked up with a lady named Bathsheba, which was one of his right-hand guys. And, 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 and before you know it, he's setting up Uriah, one of his right-hand guys, to be murdered all within one family. And there's more to that family than that. And then you have this guy, uh, the king before David, his name was Saul. Saul almost killed his, his, his son, a wonderful son named Jonathan because he ate some honey. And before that, we got a guy named Noah, preacher of righteousness. Begin, it begins to rain, and so he could make fruit and grapes and whatever. And he, he makes up some fruits and grapes and creates a little bit of wine, right? Drink too much wine. He's drunk and he's butt naked. You got a problem with that? Read your Bible. You don't need to watch, you know, another world. <laughs> Young and restless. There's a lot of PG-13 and R in the, in the Bible. I'll tell you that right now. And, 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 and one of his sons comes and finds him naked there. And it, it, was, it was a terrible situation all within a, a family and, and raising kids. And there's this guy named Abimelech who we think it looked like he had 70 70 of his brothers killed. One of the worst slain in the Bibles. Parenting is not easy. Family, it happens. Life happens. Everyone say with me, tree of life. In the first scripture, one of the first scriptures that Robert uh, shared was about the knowledge of of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the, the tree of life. And, and I think it's important that we understand the tree of life because before Adam and Eve was booted out of the garden, you know, the tree of life was protected. They didn't eat from the tree of life. But the tree of life is what we should partake of today. To me, tree of knowledge of good and evil, that's where religion comes out of and legalism and law. All those different things, I think, come out. into All those different things. Not all of it's bad, but it's bad if that's the only tree that you eat from. Because I think, not just for parenting, but for as Christians, we should eat from the tree of life. Because that is what brings life. Why do you think that people chose to, 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 to be around Jesus everywhere he went? Everywhere he went, there'd be a crowd of people around Jesus. You know why? Because he produced life. People wanted to be around him. He had answers. His attitude was about life. His words were about life. Now, did he ever rebuke anyone? Absolutely. You'll see him rebuking Sadducees and Pharisees and those who had a, a, a wrong mindset. He wasn't coming to bring another religion. Man, he was from the grassroots coming to bring a relationship with God. And so he had to do some tearing out. But, but it's all about the tree of life, eating from the tree of life. And what you eat is what you're going to produce. You could call it the spirit of Jesus. Because when you're around people, if you're just like a frowny old grouchy Christian, who wants to be around that? Jesus came to give us life and life more abundant. People were attracted to that. Not just church folks. Notorious sinners. Think about that right now. Notorious sinners, tax collectors, were, was absolutely attracted to Jesus. You know why? Because of life. Life that came out of his pores. We're to eat from that tree of life to produce that type of attitude and spirit, making decisions from that tree of life, treating our kids from that tree of life. It brings because what, what life, life begets life. Eating from the tree of life. 
Last weekend I was in Oregon. I woke up on Sunday morning. I was actually in a tent. And all of a sudden the scripture just dropped in my heart by the Holy Spirit. And it's, I, I would never think about the scripture when I think about parenting. But I want you to listen to it today. Because it was like the Holy Spirit just whop. And I began to meditate on it. I was like, I, I know when God's speaking to me. We're going to read this. This is kind of like my, my main passage today. This woman was caught red-handed, but you see something so beautiful about Jesus in the story. You see a radical middle. You see him responding in a radical middle way. Not like, hey, you're going to hell on a handbasket, or hey, live life however you want to live it. But there was a radical middle that he suggested in this story, Robert. Reading from John chapter 8, verses 3 through 11. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? Let me say this. Stoning your kids is not a great parenting attribute. Do you agree with that? Yeah. It's like all of a sudden your kids come home late, you know, after 12 o'clock or hanging out at the wrong place. You find them in the wrong place. It's like, okay, kid, it's time for your stoning. <laughs> you know, that's not what we do as parenting. But I want to let you know right now, there's more ways to stone your kids other than with rocks. You can stone the snot out of them with your words. You can stone them with your looks. With your glaring attitude, your glooming shame, there's ways to stone our kids without ever picking up a rock. And to me, that stoning is from the tree that I'm talking uh, not about today, but I am still talking about it, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Jesus could have picked up a stone. He could have been the very first one to pick up the stone because it was in the law. He could have said, give me the stone, I'm going first. But he chose to, to go a radical middle route. And I think that you'll see this, Robert. This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear so when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. Let me say something there. Remember, those who haven't sinned throw the first stone. I think, parents, we need to always remember we're sinners just like our kids are sinners. Everyone say, yes, that's right. How many know that you're a sin? we're all in the same boat? We're all in the same boat. As we get older, we can kind of, you know, act like we're not sinners. You know how that goes, but we're still sinners. And by the way, uh, parents, you were once 12 years old. You were 17. You were a seventh grade little girl. Right? Not, not, not you, Logan. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, put it this way. You were a seventh grade little girl or a little boy. 
and everything that they went through during that time, eighth grade, ninth grade, in that move, always remember that we're all in the same boat as parents that were sinners, and we once was their age. Would you continue? And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I think this is such a beautiful parenting, um, skilled story because he could have been with the rest of the group to stone this, you could call, daughter. He is God. And he, he, he chose not to stone her. But look what he did. He chose not to kill her, not to stone her. But he also dealt with sin because he looked at her and said, go sin no more. It wasn't like, hey, either one extreme, you're going to get stoned to death. It wasn't the other extreme, ma'am, you can go and do whatever you want to in, in life. No, there was a radical middle that Jesus chose. It wasn't death, but it was this place of go sin no more. That's the radical middle that I speak of today because we see judgment in the story. We see sin in the story. We see adultery in the story. We see legalism in the story. We see law. We see accusations. We see condemning. But what, how Jesus handled this as a daughter, he confronted sin like we should with our kids. Don't allow them to do whatever they want to do. Beautiful boundaries are safe. But he didn't accuse, he didn't, he didn't put shame on them and guilt on them. Jesus actually directed him, directed her in a way that brought life to her. I've seen this, I've seen this so many times before. Radine and I had kids, we were also youth pastors, and all of a sudden you see, you see parents, their, their kid go, decides to go do something, go crazy in life. All of a sudden they're gonna follow Buddha, 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 we're just gonna follow Buddha, we're gonna follow Buddha. And and parents, well, I guess I'll follow Buddha too. If that's what my kid's doing. That's not the direction that a parent should take. It's not like, okay, you're going to do this and I'm going to follow you. No, we have to have the courage to stand up for what is right. All of a sudden, you know, hey, I'm just going to go and change my gender. I'm, I'm going to choose and be a different gender in life. Well, okay, as a parent, I think I'll just support you in that. That's not a radical middle. They may choose to do that, but a radical middle is saying this. Listen, you may choose to do that. I completely disagree with that, but I'm still going to love you no matter what you decide. That's the radical middle that I'm talking about today. Don't be a little parent puppy following your kids around, just agreeing with everything they do and encouraging everything they do that's anti-Bible and anti-Christianity. That's not, that's not going to help them in life. There's a radical middle that you and I can choose. All of a sudden, they, they decide, you know what? I'm going to smoke weed, and you smoke weed with them. Well, that's not, that's not going to encourage them. You say, well, Jay, does that really happen? Man, I've worked, with, I've worked with parents before that used to sit in garages and smoke meth with their kids. Absolutely have done that. And that's not the radical middle that I'm talking about. Not, not, not looking at your kids and going, hey, hey, you know, I'm going to ground you for the rest of your life. But not also saying, you know what, whatever you choose to do, it's okay. No, there's a radical middle of that. Listen, I don't agree with you making a 
choice that you're pansexual. But I'm going to love you in the midst of that. I'm not going to say that it's right when the Bible says that it's wrong. How many of you know that the Bible is the highest authority in all the land? If you didn't know that, let me teach you something today. At least walk away with this. The highest authority in all the land is the Bible. B-I-B-L-E, basic instruction before leaving earth. It's above every constitution. It's above every law. It's above every man's decision. That's what we live by, and that word doesn't change. All of a sudden, just because all of a sudden you may feel feel like you need to go in a certain direction because culture is telling you to go in that certain direction, that word has not changed. And we're to live according to God's word and not according to our feelings and not according to our culture. But what does God say? Why is that so important for us to grasp that? Because that's where life is. That's where you're going to experience life to its fullness. Everyone say radical middle. I absolutely don't agree with that. But I will absolutely love you to hell and back. The radical middle of Christianity. Radical middle, I don't condemn you and put shame on you, but I don't agree with you and I will still love you. This whole thought of just because I disagree with you, that somehow I don't like you and can't love you, is an absolute lie in our culture. How many of you ever disagreed with your wife before? Now, now a bunch of dudes are lying. How many of you have disagreed with your wife before? How many of you disagreed with your husband? Did you not still love them? Right? There's many things in culture I disagree with. It's not Bible. But it doesn't mean I don't love people. There's a radical middle that Jesus constantly walked in. The Bible says that Jesus came, listen to this, full of grace and truth. Grace and, and I, I, I want to I bring your attention that he first spoke grace and truth. I could walk in this room right here, mow you down with a machine gun of truth. No one could ever live up to it. If you watch Jesus, he controlled the volume of his truth wherever he went. Why? If you mow people down with truth, they're not able to receive the truth. But if you can give it out in volumes where they can receive it, all of a sudden that truth will set them free. It's not hearing the truth that sets you free. It's not reading the truth that sets you free. It's knowing the truth. And once a person knows it, the only way you're going to know truth is that you're able to accept it and receive it for yourself. Jesus gave it out so that people could receive it. They could accept the truth, and all of a sudden, they were set free. But if you just mow people down, you're going to hell on a grease pole. Like, wow, dude, stay away from me. They won't receive from you. Are you following me? I'm going to give you 10 do's and 10 don'ts uh, when it comes to parenting. I didn't get these from books or anything like that. It's just our experience with parenting. If you don't like my do's, guess what? Don't do my do's. If you don't like my don'ts, guess what? Don't do my don'ts. I'm just going to share with you personal do's and don'ts in closing today. They're going to go up here. I asked Nathan to put them all in a line in case you take a picture because there may be one or two of them that you walk away with going, man, I need to apply that in my family with parenting my kids. If you'd put them up, we're going to start with the don'ts. Leave them up. I'm going to go through them quite quickly. Don't be a fake. Don't be a hypocrite. 
There's not a person in here that would say, I'm just, just going to go home and be a hypocrite. But it's amazing how a person may act in public or act at home compared to church or somewhere else. If you want to confuse your kids deeply, mentally, emotionally, be a hypocrite. It brings great confusion to kids. Everyone say, don't be a fake. Do you agree with that today? Good, good, good. I'm glad you voted yes on that one. Number two, don't be their stinking buddy. I'm best friends with my kids, but I am their daddy. Radine is their mama, and they will always be our kids. I don't try to be their pal. I try to be their parent. God didn't give them to you to be their buddy. God gave them to you to be their parent. They need you to train them and to discipline them and lead them and protect them and to guide them. I could pre that could be a sermon on its own. I'm going to move on. Number three, refrain from legalism attitudes. If you want your kids to rebel and blow up, just blow up at 17, just be legalistic. You'll blow them to hell and back. I've worked with people before. I remember a lady who was probably the, probably the most controlling lady I may have never, ever met in my life. And her, her daughter ran off with this, this dude. And I would just try to graciously say, hey, why don't you back off a little bit? And she starts going off on me on the phone. We need to be more controlling. We need to be more. Yep. 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 Your kids have to grow up. Don't breed legalism and rebellion in the heart of your kids. Where's it at? Thank you. Don't make church a punishment. You didn't get done with your homework? You're going to church this week. I, I, I want my kids to go to church. I want them to like to go to church. My kids like church. My, my, my daughter's been a little church mouse ever since I can. She wants to go to church today. Don't use church as punishment. Number four, no, five, don't be overly cool. You're a parent. Wear clothing according to your age. Right? Don't need to be doing like midriffs and things like that. And you're 52 years don't be overly cool, right? They don't need overly cool parents. You're probably embarrassing them. Be a parent. Don't provoke them. I've done this. Get good experience from me. I have provoked my kids to wrath. It's not good. Don't provoke. You'll find it in Ephesians. It's a great scripture. Don't provoke. Uh, don't abuse physically, verbally, or spiritually, and you can do all those with those stones, Verbally, spiritually, physically, don't do that. Don't overwork. What I mean by that, when I was a youth pastor, you know, working 17 hours a day and all of a sudden, that's one thing I wish I could redo is spend more time with my kids when they were small. Radine was there. It was wonderful. I'm thankful for my beautiful wife. I wish I'd have done that differently. Number nine, don't manipulate them. You can easily do that with your kids. Don't do it. Number 10, don't discipline them out of anger. Right? Discipline them? Absolutely. We're going to get to the do's in just a minute. You may not ag agree with my do's, but I'm going to give you the do's anyway. But don't 
discipline out of anger. Number 11, it's for free. Don't allow whining. Stop it, because then they're manipulating you. Here's my list of do's. If you'd put that up there, please. Do's, please do this. Do love them unconditionally. No matter what they do. That's the radical middle. No matter what they're going through. You don't know what you're, right now, they're five years old and you think it's all good and they're going to grow up to be Mother Teresa. You don't know that. Wait till they're 13. You're like, what in the world happened to you? I want my child back. Love them unconditionally. Number two, tough love them. What do you mean by tough love them? It means all of a sudden you find out they're doing drugs. You're doing drugs? Guess what? I'm not giving you another stinking penny. You're not going to get a dime from me. I'm not going to enable you. I'm not going to be codependent upon you. You're not going to get a penny from me. I'll love you until the chickens and the cows and the roosters come home, but I'm not going to give you another penny into enable you in your sin. Number three, train up and discipline. Would you read that scripture, Robert? Reading from Proverbs 13, verse 24, he who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. First of all, hear me really good with what I'm about to say. I'm not talking about abuse in any form or fashion. I spanked my kids, and, and, and I, would, I would spank them today. I don't care what psychology says or what your teacher says or what your, I don't care what anyone says because I go according to the Word of God. The Word of God has a lot in it about this. Just look it up. So with a, in our house, it was a, a wooden spoon that was in the kitchen that I would have to go find, and they got one or three licks, right? Usually with Seth, all I had to do was look at him and he would be melted, crying. <laughs> Jamie, on the other hand, asked Radine. Radine would swat her, and she'd be like, that didn't hurt. <laughs> Wait till your daddy gets home. Did we use the wooden spoon? Almost every day on Jamie. <laughs> Why didn't you use time out, J.O.? Why didn't you time out? Because my daughter would have been in timeout for seven years. <laughs> she would have lived in the corner, yo. There's a reason why we're to train up, we're to discipline. And it's okay. If you love your kid, I think that you're going to use discipline that way. Once again, if you walk out of here, you go, oh, Pastor Jail, that he's a redneck there with bald head and heart of church, and he says you should abuse your kid. That's... If you say that, per pervert my words, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying at all to abuse your kids in any form or fashion. Discipline them? Absolutely, I would say, use discipline. It will help them. Do you know that God uses discipline on you? You know better than God? He takes you to the woodpile right now. He will put a spanking on you. And it says, you, you, you don't like it in that moment. But you're going to reap a great reward from that. I'm paraphrasing, but look it up in Hebrews. I remember I was about 14 years old, living in South Carolina. My grandparents raised me. And um, 
I was, you ever have a cousin that whatever you do, you get in trouble with that cousin? I had a cousin that I always got in trouble with, always. He got in trouble or I got in trouble. We just got in trouble. And um, he stole some cigarettes, and we're down at the local grocery store smoking cigarettes. My granddaddy pulls around the corner to get me for lunch. I just took a draw from this big old Salem. Some of you know what that means. It's a cigarette. And uh, I just like blew smoke right in his face. I knew it wasn't going to be good. I go home, and my grandmother gets this, like, long switch, very flexible, (laughs) unbreakable, (laughs) and she kind of lit up my legs, you know what I'm saying? Oh, jail, I'm sorry. Don't be sorry for me. That was really good for me. I'll never forget that. That night, I went to church. I didn't get saved, but I, I bought a cross, and I was very, very touched Something happened deep in my heart from my grandmother spanking me. It's real. I highly encourage it. But always remember, I'm not saying in any form or fashion to abuse. Let's look at the next ones. Support interest, whatever your kids like to do. In sports, we used to go to the sports and support them. My wife, even when I was really busy planning the church in the very beginnings, traveled with Seth on travel team and supported them. Hey, sometimes, occasionally, you may miss church. Don't let it be all the time. But you know what? I would say support your kids in, in their interests. Now, we wasn't a taxi cab uh, company. We said, hey, kids, you can only play one sport at a time, right? We gave them boundaries, but we supported our kids. The next one, be consistent. Be consistent in the decisions and what you say Like, for example, coming to church, I think families in this day and time should be consistent with that. If you're not consistent, if you come every three months, I'm going to tell you what, they'll probably come once a year. Be consistent. Be consistent in your discipline. Be consistent in your decision making. Be consistent at home. What they see at home, let them see in public. Be consistent. Number six, time, talk, touch, treasure. What do you mean by that? If you're going to have relationships with your wife or with your kids... It takes four components, time, talk, touch, and treasure. If you're lacking relationship with one of your kids right now, apply those four, time, talk, touch, treasure. Spend time with them. Talk with them. A healthy touch. Hug, kisses, hold hands. Treasures. What do you mean by treasures? Give them a gift. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let them know that they're in your heart. Those four, if you need to get out of a relationship at some time, you're in a wrong, unhealthy relationship, just remove those time, talk, touch, and treasure. Relationship will be gone. Sometimes you need to do that in life. Number seven, almost done, 1969 mobile home. Why you got that, (laughs) J.O.? It's real with us. We lived in a place called Ridgefield. It was kind of a ritzy place, but... Our place was not ritzy. We bought six and a half acres in order to build a house, but for three years we lived in a 1969 mobile home that I remodeled that was a bit ghetto. My son thought it was cool because it had wheels and it was metal. (laughs) Right? I thank God for my 1969 mobile home because, you know, family would come over there, friends would come, our kids would bring friends over, and I think parents would be shocked 
because we lived in a kind of a ritzy place. But we taught our kids it's not about stuff. Is it okay to have stuff? Absolutely. As long as you're not worshiping your stuff, man, God wants to bless you. But it's not all about stuff. In three years, in a mobile home where you could hear everyone peeing, <laughs> the walls were that thick and the doors too, we got closer than any time in our, that I remember in our, in our life. It was a gift from God. Number eight, ask for forgiveness. I ask for forgiveness many times. You know why? Because that's a strength. It's easy to go through life and be prideful and cocky and like, hey, do whatever you want to do. And, you know, I'm the dad, I'm the mom. No, I made mistakes along the journey, journey big time. Hey, Seth, would you forgive? Dad was a total jerk. Ask for forgiveness a lot. Number nine, build them up with your words. Seth, you're the greatest catcher, man. I love to watch you catch. Jamie, I love to watch you play volleyball. Number 10, protect them. Protect them. See, I didn't have parents growing up, and I, I, I know that I leaned on doing things that I wish I'd had parents to do, and one of them was protect. I remember a volleyball coach. I didn't like how he treated my daughter, right? And hey, coaches are coaches. Us parents, we think they should, all of our kids should be in the NBA, the L NLB, and all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? So this situation happened with my daughter and the coach, and I'm in the high school with the coach in the bathroom with me. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to put his head in the wall. But I'm a pastor. I'd be on the front page. Pastor takes head, coach, put wall, that, loses church. You know what I'm saying? I can't do those things. Right? Has any other husbands, dads ever felt like doing stuff like that? Don't lie in church. So I didn't do it, but I wanted to. And I forgave that. I'd be like, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. And I was. I was forgiven the dude because I didn't like his attitude. But nevertheless, protect your kids. My last one is for free. It's not up there. Let them catch you praying, seeking the face of God, and worshiping for real. Let them catch you for real. Amen. I hope these helps. The most amazing thing that I want you to take away from here is it's not one extreme or the other. There's a radical middle that brings life in parenting. Choose that radical middle like Jesus did. Would you stand to your feet?